thousand sparkling stars upon a midnight summer sky. The majesty and wonder of the ocean's endless tide. And the more I see, the more I can't explain how the one who set the world in place would even know my name and I'm One, two. All right. All right. Well, he is great. Amen? That's for sure. I'm going to set this down here. It's just not allowed to go to sleep. If it goes to sleep, then I've got to go through the whole process again. It's kind of like you at, during church. When you fall asleep during the message, you've got to kind of catch all back up and <clears throat> kind of figure out where we're at, right? Well, we'll see. We may not even need that tonight. We'll see where we get, but... Anyway, we're talking tonight, we're going to be addressing this issue of Christ and prophecy here, and just uh, 
maybe over the next couple of Wednesdays trying to work on that uh, the next couple times I speak. But I want you to turn to John chapter 5, verse 39, and then we're going to just kind of kick it off. We're going to talk a few about a few things. We'll talk about some Old Testament issues. We'll look at some prophecies. We'll consider some of those things. <clears throat> but... Um, I mean, fulfilled prophecy is stronger evidence for the inspiration and authenticity of the scriptures than any miracle ever was. And as we look at the prophecies of scripture and we recognize their uh, fulfillments, we can say, boy, there's something to this book called the Bible. And, um, you know, we would like to have lived many times. We say, I'd love to have lived back in those days. I'd love to have been able to see him raise Lazarus from the dead or possibly, you know, um, turn water to wine or go on in here and see him walking on water and doing all those things. And um, the truth is, is that uh, fulfilled prophecy is much more uh, powerful and impactful than even those things are. It's in writing. It's fulfilled. It's right here. And uh, so we're very happy for that. We have a uh, more sure word of prophecy, the Bible says. John chapter 5, verse 39 we're going to begin by just reading this simple verse. It says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So as we look at the word of God, we're going to recognize that it's going to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to testify of him all the time. It doesn't really matter where in the word of God you pick up and start reading. The fact is that you're going to learn something about the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to learn something about God, the creator of the universe. And again, I don't think that's needed or necessary to address it, but we know that Jesus and God and uh, the Holy Spirit, they're all the same. They're one. And, uh, you know, we know that they have unique and distinct uh, aspects and their uh, uh, part in creation and so forth and all of that. But in reality, we're going to see the Bible says that these three are one. And so when you uh, talk about seeing Christ in Scripture, you're going to see him uh, manifest in all kind of ways, whether it be through uh, just learning about the attributes of God, learning about the purpose and the plan that God has for the universe, all of those things. And so we're going to see and find Christ in every aspect of the word. Now, there's some requirements for genuine predictions. If we're going to say a prophecy is fulfilled, then we're going to have to uh, meet some criteria, if you will. So some of that criteria would be, number one, it has to be made known prior to its fulfillment. Well, that, that makes sense, right? If you're going to have a fulfilled prophecy, then that means something had to be known ahead of time. And so it must have been made known prior to its fulfillment. Number two, it must be beyond all human foresight. It has to come to the point where really there's no way that some human being could have foreseen it in just the circumstances and the situation around them. It had to be completely and totally out of human control. It needs to give uh, details. There needs to be details. It can't just be generalizations. It has to be specific to some degree or another. And then number four, a sufficient time must elapse between its publication and fulfillment and uh, to, to exclude the prophet or any interested party from fulfilling it. That's important. Because what if I predicted uh, that you know, this building would fall in three days. But then I'm still around when it falls in three days. I could have called a contractor up and said, you know, get the, 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 you know, the, the construction ball out and blow this thing apart and knock it down and say, see, fulfilled prophecy. You know, that, but that's not what we're discussing. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're talking about a sufficient time has to elapse before, before, from the time it was publicized to the time it's fulfilled 
so that that prophet or anybody else, even interested, an interested party, a family member, friend, or anybody, or grandchild, or anyone like that, uh, could possibly fulfill it to you know, keep you know, great-grandpa's reputation or something. <clears throat> Number five, and finally, there must be a clear and evident fulfillment of the prophecy. It has to be clearly fulfilled. And um, <clears throat> we have a number of scriptures in the Bible that are prophetic. And as you read through that Old Testament, you're going to find all kinds of prophecies uh, wrapped up in even the stories and different circumstances that God allows or has, has preserved in those scriptures. And so we're going to see that along the way as well. But uh, we certainly are grateful to the Lord for the word of God that he gave us and how he prophesied so many things. And in those fulfilled prophecies come great confidence, great confidence in the word of God. People say, well, you know, why is the word of God, you know, actually the word of God? Why, why is it authoritative? Why should I believe it at all? Well-fulfilled prophecy is a big factor here. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll talk about a couple of things. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We pray, Lord, that in these next few moments you'd encourage us. Father, may we recognize and see... Uh, some fulfilled prophecy. May our hearts be inspired. May we, be rec may we recognize that, Lord, this book is not just uh, the mere, uh, uh, come forth from the mere mind of man. It's legitimately your word, and, and that the prophecies that were given and, and foretold uh, could not be coincidental. They could not have been fulfilled by accident. And, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you're a God that does everything decently and in order, and we can count on you. And, Lord, uh, you have through your foreknowledge and just through every aspect of your being provided for us evidence that the word of God is true. We love you now. We need you. And we just pray for your leadership today. Inspire us and then help us to be more convinced than ever that your word is true and that you are real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, again, we have multiple prophecies in the word of God, and they extend over hundreds of years, hundreds. Many of the prophecies that we read about, especially like Christmas and so forth in the book of Isaiah, those prophecies are 700 years old. They, they were given many, many years prior to their fulfillment. And again, that meets the qualifications that we talk about when it comes to prophecies. There must be, as we said, sufficient time elapsing between the publication and the fulfillment. I got to believe that after 700 years, there's nobody around that really cares if Isaiah's prophecies come true in that regard, okay? Uh, he doesn't have any family members. My my great 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 grandfather, he said this, and I'm going to make sure it happens. That didn't happen. We know that to be the case, of course. But we're going to see that these prophecies extend over hundreds of years, and yet they find a complete fulfillment in a very short, 30-year lifespan of Jesus Christ, for the most part. So many of them are fulfilled in the lifetime or lifespan of Jesus Christ. And uh, <clears throat> it's just amazing. As a matter of fact, a number of them are fulfilled in even one day, a 24-hour period. We're going to look at a couple of those. Now, again, they fulfill the purpose of the gospel. They, they accomplish the purposes of the gospel, writers even. And uh, they help to point us to the person, to the words and to the work uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, turn to John chapter 20, verse 31. <clears throat> Again, the writers, the writers make sure that we understand that what they've written and what's uh, been given is for a purpose, and that purpose is obviously to point folks to Jesus Christ to ultimately lend itself to uh, confidence in him. 
Notice what it says in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. What was written by these men was written for the express purpose of uh, revealing to us the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, God has a purpose and a plan, and he wants to establish a kingdom. And he wants Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on the throne of David. You know, often we talk about the, uh, the, 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 you know, how, what the most important day in history was. And many times we'll say things like, well, it's the cross. Well, the cross certainly wasn't the greatest day on Jesus' calendar. Let me tell you that. Uh, I tell you, the, 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 the day that we're really looking forward to is when he's ruling and reigning, when he gets his rightful kingdom. And see, we find here in the Gospels and other places that there's many verses that point to Jesus Christ, whether on, during his earthly ministry and even past that. In the book of Matthew 26, 56, the Bible says, but all this was done that the, scriptures, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook and fled. Now again, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. We see over in the book of Luke 24, verse 25 through 27, uh, the Bible says, Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Remember now, he's risen. He's been resurrected, and now he meets with these disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he says to them, he says, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He's saying, fellas, I mean, uh, oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Isn't that what they've talked about? If you go back all the way to Moses, he says, you go back to Moses and look at him and look at the lives and the writings of all the prophets. Don't they point and ultimately to him? Don't they point to me, basically? He said, you missed it, didn't you? You've read it how many times, but you missed it. And you know what? Sometimes we read through the Word of God and we miss a lot of things too, don't we? You know, we get in a hurry or we just got a lot going or a lot on our mind and we just kind of fly through things. And we have to remember when we read these, this book, the Bible, the Word of God, we're going to be pointed to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never forget that. This book isn't about you just having a good life or your marriage being better. It's not just about you raising your children for God even. That's not what this book's about. This book's about a person. And it's important that we understand that as we read through this book and as we study it, that we're looking for clues that point us to him and things that help to reinforce his purpose and plan for the age. And so as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see things, like he said, oh, fools and slow of heart. May we not be fools and slow of heart, but understand what the prophets have spoken as we read through these words. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 says, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. <clears throat> that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus even himself pointing to the fact, he's saying, listen, you can go back through this book in that Old Testament, and we understand that at the time when Jesus is speaking, there's no New Testament. And so all the scripture that they had at that point was in the Old Testament. Now think about how many people missed his coming. Think about how many people missed the fact that Jesus was Messiah. And yet the only scriptures they had were the Old Testament. They had the writings of Moses. They had the Psalms. They had the prophets. And yet they missed him. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. And yet it's really not that awfully amazing or surprising when we consider how much we miss usually. 
And so <clears throat> we recognize again how much he's pointing to the fact that prophecy is throughout these scriptures. I mean, you think about that for a minute. You're reading, I mean, you say, you know, the Old Testament sometimes, I don't know, there's some of those books are pretty boring. And, and, you know, and I'll read the Psalms, and what do you get out of the Psalms? Well, they're an encouragement, they're a comfort. Yeah, but what do you get about Jesus out of them? What do you learn about him? And yet the Bible, Jesus even said to, to those who were following him at that time, he said, listen, he said, all these things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So there were things there in the Psalms. Boy, I'll tell you what, we need to be focused on the Lord as we read the word of God then. We need to have our mindset on, hey, I want to see, is there anything in here that points me to Jesus? Anything that's going to, uh, it, it, you know, teach me something about the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, there are 25 specific predictions that are made concerning the betrayal, trial, death, and burial of Jesus Christ. 25 specific. They're given by a number of different prophets between 1000 B.C., before Christ, to 500 B.C., so between 1,000 and 500 years before Jesus ever showed up, these prophets wrote about him. And yet, they were literally fulfilled in one person within a 24-hour period. You say, well, what do you mean? I mean, what, what kind of prophecies? I mean, come on, it's got to be pretty vague. I mean, 25 of them within 24 hours, written 1,000 to 500 years before he even showed up, Things like he was sold for 30 pieces of silver. <clears throat> that he was betrayed by a friend. That, that the money was cast to the potter. That the disciples forsook him. That he was accused by false witnesses. That he was smitten and spat upon. That he was as dumb before his accusers. That he was wounded and bruised that he fell under the cross, that his hands and feet were pierced. He was crucified with thieves. He prayed for his, his persecutors, that people wagged or shook their heads, that people ridiculed him, that people were astonished, that his garments were potted, uh, parted and lots were cast. his forsaken cry, the gall and the vinegar given him, that he committed himself to God, that his friends stood afar off, that his, bones weren't that his bones were not broken, that his heart was broken, that his side was pierced, that there was darkness over the land, that he was buried in a rich man's tomb. <clears throat> 25 different, very specific prophecies fulfilled in a 24-hour period although predicted 1,000 years prior to to 500 years before Jesus ever showed up. Now, I don't know about you, but that blows Nostradamus out of the water. All right? I used to watch those shows. I was always intrigued with Nostradamus. You know, they'd come on, man, they'd have old Nostradamus there, and he'd have his robe on, and they'd show this big statue of Nostradamus, and then they'd talk about the prediction he made about two you know, the year 2000 and this and all this. I mean, it was crazy. Man, I was like, wow, that's amazing. This is unbelievable. But they didn't tell you about all the predictions he made and how many of them failed. 
and tell you that part. As we used to say, they cherry-picked the ones they wanted to talk about because they're the ones that came closest to something happening. And can I tell you, it was amazing, really, even some of that. But you know what? There is something, there is something in the universe I found out that helps people know things like that. It's called demons. Huh. Yeah, demons know a lot of things, too. They've lived a long time. They've been around, too, for as long as history. They've learned the nature of man pretty good, too. They know what, how things are going to turn out in many cases. Not that they know the future, but they know how man will respond to situations. We think we're smarter than them? No way. You take Jesus Christ out of the mix, you remove the Spirit of God, you remove the Word of God, and they'll take you down in no time flat. <clears throat> According to the law of compound probabilities... There was a 1 in 33,554,000 chance that these 25 predictions would be fulfilled in prophecy. That's being fulfilled. That's not in a 24-hour period. That's just being fulfilled. Now, it's a fact that there were 109 predictions literally fulfilled at Christ's first coming. 109. That means 1 in billions of a chance that they would be fulfilled. That, that isn't, and you, you know what's amazing? That's not even as much, that's not even the, the chance uh, and the percentages of uh, evolution even. That's even worse. And yet people believe evolution like it's religion. I don't know about you, but I got to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is because all these prophecies being fulfilled and there was one in billions of chances that they would be fulfilled, that's pretty good chances. I'll take those any day. I mean, not for me to take them. I mean, I'll, I'll trust that they're coming for real. I mean, if you said, I'm going to take a lottery ticket and I got one in billions of chance to win it, I think you're wasting your money. You're wasting it anyway. <laughs> you're, you're wasting it anyway, Amen. Yeah, I know, you want to get rich quick. You wouldn't know what to do with the money. You'd probably be out of it in the next three years. Your wife would divorce you and leave for somebody better. You'd be a mess. I'd be talking you off a cliff. You better just stick to working. <clears throat> this prophecy stuff's good, isn't it? <laughs> So the scriptures are still the best way to convince a soul of the reality of Jesus Christ. You know, we ask the question, we're doing this even in our, our soul winning. We, you know, well, what do you tell somebody who doesn't even believe in the Bible? What do you tell somebody who doesn't believe in the Word? I'm telling you what, there's still evidences in the scriptures that really do point to the reality of Christ. And I know, I know it's crazy. Somebody says, I don't believe the Bible. Well, it's kind of, you know, everything you read about that is going to tell you, well, it's foolish to go to the Bible and talk to them about the Word of God if they don't believe it's the Word of God. The only problem is I got a feeling that even those people are forgetting that the Word of God isn't like any other book. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some other options, but I'm saying when you start revealing to them Scripture, you start showing them fulfilled prophecies, that's pretty helpful, I think. And by the way, God's Word's pretty powerful. I think we need to open the Bible up. And somebody says, well, I don't believe it. That's all right. Listen to it for a minute. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you to read it even if you don't. I don't care if you believe it or not. Read it. It'll have an impact on you. 
the spirit and purpose of all prophecy, again, is to testify of Jesus Christ. Turn over to Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Again, the spirit and purpose of all prophecy is to testify of Jesus. <clears throat> chapter 19, verse 10, we read, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Again, it's important to understand this reality. When we start talking about prophecy, we're talking about pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you what. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they that which testify of me. Again, so important. Now, those Old Testament scriptures, when you read those Old Testament scriptures, you're going to find that many times they have kind of a double witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, you're going to see that they point to both his first coming and his second coming. And it, sometimes it gets tricky, and that's why the Old Testament prophets struggled some, because they couldn't make the distinction between the first and second. They only saw one coming. And as a result of that, they made all kinds of errors when he did show up. Now, the two comings were not always shared, again, by the prophets. They didn't always make them that clear. And sometimes, or maybe the, the, the proper order of them, they might speak of one and then the other, but not in the right order. And it confused many of those religious leaders in Christ's day. In fact, you know, they didn't even know that there were two comings. That's the reality. They didn't know it. They did not grasp that concept. They could not understand that. They didn't separate the prophecies that foretold his sufferings uh, versus the prophecies that foretold his glory, if you will, or his cross and his crown. They couldn't see that distinction. And so, you know, sometimes we think, boy, they're, they're so ignorant. They were, they were really, they were, those guys were really dumb. What was their problem? Well, the prophets didn't see things, the, the, you know, as clearly as we'd like to believe in many cases. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 10. You know, hindsight's always 2020. you know? And it's easy to look back and, you know, be a, an armchair quarterback and point out all the faults of those before us. But it's not always as easy when you're going through it, is it? And we're going to see that in 1 Peter chapter 1. We notice what the Bible says here, beginning in verse 10. We're going to look through verse 12. It says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, verse 10, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look upon. The bottom line is, is a lot of, there's a lot of things being said there, but what it's all saying basically is, is that they couldn't see what you saw. They may have written some things, but they didn't understand everything they were writing. And what they were writing really affected you more than it affected them at the time. So that they, 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 they believed that all the prophecies that referred to the Messiah or Jesus Christ were to be feel, fulfilled at his first coming. That's what they really thought. They, everything that they read about, every, everything that they wrote about, I should say, they thought took place at one time in his first coming. 
So when Jesus showed up and he was born in a manger, when Jesus came and walked the earth and he was healing, the, the, by rights, hey, if you're really the king, then why aren't you getting rid of the Romans? If you're really the king, why aren't you setting up your kingdom? If you're really the king, how come you're not destroying the enemy here? Because that's what they saw. How come you're not bringing us together as a people? How come there's still division? Why is it, boy, I mean, they had all kind of questions because they were getting some information mixed up. They could not see the whole picture. The Old Testament prophets saw the future as separate peaks and one mountain. So all they saw was one mountain and separate peaks. Instead, what really was is that there were separate mountains with multiple peaks. And what we're going to see is that when the Old Testament prophet looked across history, he missed the church age completely. Didn't even see it. Couldn't even see it. They had glimpses of things. For instance, turn to Isaiah 9, 6. They had glimpses of the birth of Christ because once again it was prophesied. The birth of Christ was prophesied. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Boy, they saw, they saw that one was coming. They recognized that reality. For unto us a child is born. They saw the birth of Messiah. They recognized that he would come, but, well, that's what they saw. They also saw his suffering. Turn to Psalm chapter 22. Remember he said earlier in the passage we read that the Psalms themselves prophesy of him? Well, Psalm chapter 22 is a wonderful psalm that does just that. Notice what it says in Psalm chapter 22. Verse 14. We're only going to look at like three verses very quickly here. But it says, I am poured out like water, verse 14, and all my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, it melted in the midst of my bowels. Notice again, his bones are out of joint. That seems like something that might happen if you were hanging on a cross. Notice verse 16. For dogs have compassed me, they assemble, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Notice verse 18. He says, they, they part my garment among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Now we know obviously looking back what that points to, without a doubt, right? Makes perfect sense to us. They read those things, and they got a little bit of a glimpse, but they, they couldn't understand where it fell in light of the rest of prophecy. Because once again, they thought all the prophecies were part of one mountain, different peaks. Okay, so we have the birth of Christ, we have his suffering, we have his death, and we have his Second coming. It's all in one big time. One time when he shows up, the first time. That wasn't exactly how it was. And as a result, there's this mountain over here. As the prophet looks into the, to the future, he sees the birth. He sees the death. What he doesn't see is the valley of the church age. And then comes the second coming of Christ. 
He sees it all together as one mountain, not separate mountains with certain peaks on it. Now, look, if you would, in Isaiah 53, to the right just a little bit again, Isaiah 53, we see his death being spoken of. Verses four through six. Isaiah again writing 700 years before Christ shows up. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Pretty clear, a prophecy that's spot on, right? Spot on. Again, Christ's death. We recognize he's going to die. He's going to have to pay for the sin. Then we see the second coming as well. Zechariah 14. Turn to Zechariah 14. If you feel lucky. Good luck finding it, right? I'm thanking the Lord. I just happened to just turn right to it. Too bad we weren't doing sword drills right now. I'd have won. Chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, the second coming. And again, when they see this, they see this as part of the first coming. Watch what happens here. Zechariah 14, 3 and 4. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east, toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Let me tell you, that's, that's the Lord returning, but that's chapter 19. That's, that's, not, that's not his first coming. That's his second coming. Now, between his first coming and the second coming, we know, is the church age. They didn't see that. They didn't see it. So when Jesus is on the earth now, prophetically, they're looking at Christ. Okay, if you're really the Christ, then go defeat the enemy. Get the job done, buddy. That's, we think about even the disciples themselves. Think about the disciples. Turn over to uh, Acts chapter 1. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Now, Jesus Christ has died, of course. He was buried, and he rose again. He's getting ready to ascend back to be with the Father. We call it the ascension. Notice what goes on here. It's interesting. Verse, um, verse 6. Let's start at verse 6. It says, When they therefore were come together, again, Christ is preparing. Remember in verse 8, he's going to be taken out, you know, he's gonna, or he's going to give them their marching orders, and then verses 10 and 11, he's gone. He's ascending. Watch what happens. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Notice what's going on here now. They're asking whether or not, I mean, when, when are you going to restore that kingdom? We know that you died. We know you were buried. We know you rose again. But Lord, we're waiting. I mean, everything's pointed to the fact that you're, gonna, you're a king and you're going to be on the throne. Remember some of the disciples fighting on who would be on the right and who would be on the left hand? 
Why is that? They expected him to establish a kingdom right then. Why? Because prophetically it was foretold. The problem is that they misunderstood where it sat in history or into the future. And now here the disciples are again. They're asking the question, when are you going to establish this kingdom? I mean, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I mean, Rome's over here having a field day with us. I mean, isn't it our turn now to rule and reign? Will we subdue the enemy? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Now notice, he does not tell them, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to set up a kingdom. He just said, it's not for you to know when that takes place. Not at this point. It's not now. Just, just, you just worry about doing what you're told, and all that will take care of itself. Again, the second coming. They saw it as the first coming. They saw it all together. Israel will be united again as one nation, Ezekiel 37. Turn there. Ezekiel 37. Didn't even know those books were in the Bible, did you? <laughs> Ezekiel 37, 21. One of the great chapters in all the Bible, second to Romans chapter 11 on Israel. It's amazing. Notice what it says here then in Ezekiel 37, 21. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Now we know that the children of Israel were scattered abroad. And we know that it happened in uh, 721 B.C. with the Assyrians. We know that in you know, uh, 585 or 606 to 585, there was another uh, uh, captivity of the Babylonians with Judah, and so we know they were dispersed. We also know that even once Israel came back, being representative of those tribes in Jerusalem, after the birth, the life and death and resurrection of Christ, we know in 70 AD, we know that uh, Titus came along and wiped out Jerusalem in 70 AD, burned it to the ground. Uh, we know a million people lost their lives, and uh, they were scattered abroad again throughout all the world. You know, Israel wasn't a nation. Israel was just nomads in this world. And it wasn't until what, 19 and 50, 49 was it, or 48, whatever? <laughs> we used to have a president that cared about those things. But anyway, I'm sorry, I just can't stand that. You know, that, that took a lot of guts to do what he did, by the way. A lot of guts to take a stand for Israel. But anyway, the bottom line is, is that we, we, uh, we find them now coming back together. Finally, after all these years. Um, Israel will be united as a nation. Notice what it says in verse 22. Uh, or verse um, 22. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Notice one nation. Remember they were divided back with Rehoboam and Jeroboam after the rulership of Solomon? Now here they are becoming one nation again. And one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. 
Once again, we see them being reunited as a nation again. One king. Who do you think the king is? It's going to be Jesus Christ, ruling on the throne of David. Now listen, the Bible's always right. Let me tell you something. I don't care where you stand on the issue of Israel. They're going to be reunited again back in their land, and Jesus Christ will rule and reign on the throne of David, and they will rule the nations. It's just the way it's going to be. It doesn't matter what you think, because the Bible's true. The fact is, is that there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that points to the coming of Jesus Christ, and there are the same prophecies that point to the fact that he's not done with Israel yet. He's going to show up again. They just couldn't see the church age, though. They saw those things that we're talking about. They saw them scripturally. They saw them prophetically. But as they looked, those, those prophets looked into the future. They could not see the church age because they thought the first coming and the second coming were all together in as the, the prophecies concerning them both. Well, look if you would in Isaiah 61. We're not even going to get to the PowerPoints today. We're going to finish up with these two scriptures. Isaiah 61. Again, they just did not see the church age. Notice what it says in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. A familiar passage, probably. You've probably heard a message on it, and if not, if you're in church long enough, you will. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the person prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, I want you to notice something very important here. Notice it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There he is. He showed up. It's the first coming. There he is, but notice there's a comma. And then it says and the day of vengeance of our God. You know what that points to, don't you? His second coming, when he sets it all right. Hold on, that comma represents 2,000 years so far. They couldn't see that. Notice Jeremiah chapter 23. The acceptable year of the Lord, it said, the day of vengeance of our God, first and second coming, separated by a mere comma in prophecy. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd have seen it there either. Notice Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. Another pretty popular prophet. The Bible says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteous. Do you see the comma again? Do you see where it's at? See, David is a righteous branch, that righteous branch there. There's the Lord, there's the first coming. But notice, 
a king who shall reign and prosper. That's the second coming. Again, the, the, the comma separates us, it, it, it separates these two events. It's just a mere comma, but it represents over 2,000 years so far. And it's something that, well, they just couldn't see. And it wasn't that they were ignorant or, or, or dumb or anything. They just couldn't see it. The, 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 as they looked across the, 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 you know, the landscape of time, they saw the prophecies grouped together as one mountain, different peaks on that mountain. They couldn't see as they looked across, because you know how it is, if you look into the distance, it's hard sometimes to tell how far away one is from another. Sometimes they almost look like they're together. That's exactly what happened to them when they viewed prophecy. They saw that one mountain when in reality it was a mountain over there and a mountain here and a mountain over there. And they put them all together. And they said, when Jesus comes, this is what we can expect. That's what's been prophesied. And that's where the confusion came. But the prophecies came true. And we see that some of them are still yet future. But even as those other prophecies, those ones we spoke about already and read about, came true, even those 25 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, within a 24-hour period even, came true, these prophecies will come true as well. The Word of God that we hold in our hand today is a, an inspired book. It is God's Word and it has been preserved in its perfection. This book right here is a book that you can live by and die by. It's a book that tells us not only of what to live for today, but what we should be living for for tomorrow. I mean, it's an eternal book. It's settled in heaven, the Bible says. I mean, and you say, well, yeah, but that's what the Bible says. Yeah, but the Bible has all these prophecies. I think if the word of God in prophecy is being fulfilled to the degree that it was, I'm going to tell you something. There's something to this book that's uniquely different than any other book on the face of the planet. You say, I'm not sure about the Bible. Start checking out those prophecies. Look at those prophecies and watch how they were fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And I think you'll find that you'll start to gain in confidence. We noted as we close that he says, See thou do it not. I am a fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And he tells us, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Well, I'll tell you what, get into the Bible. You say, I'm struggling with whether I believe there's a God or not. I'm struggling with whether or not I believe that Jesus was literally God in flesh. I, I have a hard time believing in heaven and hell and some of that stuff. I'm struggling with what my, where my faith lies and what I really believe. Man, get in the book. Well, I'm waiting till I get faith before I read it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. No, you get in the book. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and quit giving excuses for why you don't believe something until you get in the book and find it for yourself a little bit. Get in there and dig a little bit. Well, you know, I'm waiting for somebody to convince me. Why don't you get in and do your work? God gave you the Bible, too. It's there for you, too. You're waiting on somebody else that may never get done because nobody cares about your soul more than you do outside of Jesus Christ, and you're not going to find him outside the Word of God. You know, go ahead, you know, uh, go into the wilderness and try to find God. Nature 
God's not in nature in that sense. Don't, don't think for a minute. No, he's in this book. Oh, he's in every, he's in nature. Uh, yeah, the Indians believe that too. Unfortunately, if you believe what they believe, you're in hell today. I got Indian background. I know a little bit about what they believe. Let me tell you something. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, you haven't put your personal faith and trust in him, you call yourself whatever you want, but you'll be lost at the judgment, and you'll be cast into the lake of fire. It's that simple. We keep playing games. Some of you young people, you don't know what you believe or why you believe it. Start digging in the Bible and quit giving excuses, waiting for mommy or daddy to tell you why. And then when they tell you why, you don't want to hear it anyway. You better figure it out. You young people, you singles, better figure it out. It's time to quit messing around. We live in a world that doesn't care about you a lick. Matter of fact, the devil wants you to make the wrong decision because he wants you to go off the deep end. And some of you adults that have children, you better figure it out real quick because if you make the wrong decision, your children will go to hell because you're not in the place you need to be. There's a reason why every parent ought to be in God's house is so their children learn the truth about Jesus Christ. If you, your faith ran out a long time ago, you just keep coming so they get some. Well... Father, we need you. We desperately need you today. I, just the world we live in, there's so many lies being passed around, so much, so much that's so untrue. And 